The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. We're coming to you live from Salem, New Hampshire, and I feel like you can't even see them against my white shirt. I'm going to hand them over to Scott. Today, we have our very first clone in for training, so we're very excited. This is Cosmo. He's a year-old Pekingese, and our quirky tip of the day today is... You got it. <laughs> if you haven't yet seen our clone episode with Viagen Pets, we linked it in the show notes because Cosmo actually was a clone that came from Viagen Pets in Texas. So he's a little bit shell-shocked here to be on air, but he's a good boy, and uh, so far, so good. He's a clone of the previous dog, Gizmo. Yes. Gizmo. And he was a white Pekingese as well. So we brought him in because we're very excited about the cloning situation. Behavioral pottying. Let's talk it up, sweetie. I'm going to put Cosmo in his crate because he thinks we're crazy. Um, so we were talking about this a few weeks ago. And uh, we've, we've actually had some behavioral potting in our house. But this is a topic that comes up, I'd say, pretty frequently with our clients. This is a big issue. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just typical housebreaking. You know, it's, yeah. it's the dog behaviorally um, peeing or pooping in the house to make a statement of <laughs> some kind. <laughs> or because you know? of anxiety. Like, this is common. Like, you may have separation anxiety if the dog's in a crate or, you know, a certain room or something. When someone leaves, you're going to have pottying. But we've been kind of tweeting this apart because this is something that a lot of people mention. And we ourselves, my dog Vital, has just gone into heat. She's still intact. She has a heat cycle. And we've had some behavioral potting in our house. Come here. You're being a bad boy. Um, so this started, Sank actually peed on the bed. We'll just be honest oh, about yeah. it. Yeah. I was wondering which one you thought about it just happened. We had uh, Max go in the other room about a few months ago and pee in the carpet in the other room. Yeah, the bedroom seems to be where our dog's behaviorally potty. So this is what happens with everybody. But in if you really um, are conscious of what's happening and when it's happening and everything else, when Sank peed in the bedroom last month, I should have known. Well, Vital's going to be going into heat. There's hormones. She's always done weird stuff. When Sank used to go into heat, she'd roll in dog poop. Dogs are weird. But the important thing is that you start to notice these patterns, see these little things developing, and come up with a plan to fix them. So, I mean, I didn't know at the time that Vital was going into heat, but now it's very clear to me. Sink wasn't in the bedroom. And this is another thing. We intervene if there's behavioral potting. I think she peed on the bed. Twice? Yeah, <laughs> twice. The first day, I thought it was really, it was warm weather, and she must have drank too much Just water. Just couldn't believe it. And she, I, she would I, rather <laughs> believe I peed on the bed than the dog. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, well, I, I didn't let her out, and I, this was such a mistake. And then literally three days later, Scott's like, babe, I'm sorry, but I think Bug peed on the bed again. So we put her in a crate, you guys. That is a, the, what you should be doing if you're having these things that are occurring over and over again in your house. We change things up. We've crated her. Or at least don't give access to the to the bedroom and yeah, location and, yeah, unsupervised. And, and if it's something that's an oddball thing that pops up, 100% we'll take a urine or a fecal and bring it to the vet <clears> and make sure everything's okay. But typically, if your dog, you put them into a crate and they're not now going to the bathroom or you know that you're watching them in the yard and everything's normal, you run medical tests, everything comes back okay, you're pointing back to some behavioral potting. And then the question is, what do we do when behavioral potting pops up? So let's first talk marking. I think that's an easy one to start with so, that's probably the most common yeah. is male dogs that lift or their females legs. females could mark too yeah that's true yeah uh, but the 
the males lifting their leg on the car on the furniture and you know on corners is kind of a typical leaving their mark you know where i see this happen a lot lately is when we take a dog for boarding and training when there's multiple dogs in the house so there could be two or three dogs in the house they get along fine no problem you take one out bring it back two three weeks later and now there's behavioral marking again either the one that came in is going to mark or the ones that were there are going to mark to say hey this is my house yeah they're trying to whatever they're trying to communicate with each on. other because that happened with um winston yeah that the did. other dog was it winston pete on the couch yeah well <laughs> yeah so <laughs> i mean it, what, what didn't have to go to the bathroom didn't have to go outside yeah. but it intentionally went and peed on the couch he was making his mark if you will and then it was home. over and never did it again but it just he had to say hey i'm home and i'm gonna pee <laughs> yeah so, so let everybody have, know if you do have marking and scott's right it's normally more with male dogs what do you do about this like how should i manage this how should i intervene everything else one super easy thing that if you haven't ever done it before is a belly band they sell them on amazon uh the ones they sell at like petco and stuff are kind of bulky and basically like the pee can just be sopping in there i don't love those but looks like a little diaper yeah it's a great way you just wrap it around the dog's waist you're managing that way a lot of times the boys don't want to be once they pee once in the belly band they're like oh i don't like that feeling and that will stop it you can limit access sometimes you know dogs will skirt away to a room where you can't see them and they go pee over there you can limit access to that room you could set up a camera i am really really big on cameras when it comes to behavioral pottying so scott and i know our dogs pretty well and I don't even really wouldn't say the pet dogs behaviorally potty one much when they come into our house, but we're really big on let's look at the behavior. If you're getting like peeing, you know, out of a marking kind of situation, typically that's not going to be so much when you leave. But if you do have this like anxiety response of you leaving the house and then the dog peeing, put a camera on the dog, see when that's occurring, see what their behavior is prior. See if you leave a bone out for them, if there's a chew, and then you can have someone come and let them out, you know, the first hour or whatever, start to understand and pinpoint when and where and why this is particularly happening. Yeah. It could, it, with a dog that's at home, it could be when uh, UPS comes and knock, someone knocks on the door, the dog gets stressed and then they pee. Yeah. And it's not really a potty training issue it's they get anxiety they get stressed fear whatever and then yeah. that's what's triggered and it wind can be an issue some dogs get nervous like thunderstorms they start to pace around and it might not even be that the original intention is peeing right the dog is just stressed concerned start circling pacing everything else and then they're like oh my god i'm just gonna pee because sometimes that's just a way that dogs alleviate stress and release anxiety and everything else so whether you have peeing or pooping from this anxiety response or wherever that comes from start to pinpoint why if someone is home with the dog is it happening if you just leave for a short errand, is it happening? If you put the dog in a back room so they don't know that you left, is it happening? If you're able to like use noise diffusion or something, when Scott's talking about the UPS driver knocking, if you're able to kind of drown that type of situation out, the wind, anything else, is the dog calmer? Does the dog stay in this more like level-headed headspace? And is the dog not peeing and pooping in your house? Because it is a big stressor, you guys. Dogs are frequently given to the shelters and given back to breeders and everything else for potting issues. Potting issues are a huge deal. And most people don't want to live with pee and poop around them all the time. No. And a lot of people, you know, they default to getting these pee pads because they think, well, the dog had to pee. So they leave pee pads out. The dogs never pee on the pee pads. They always pee somewhere else in the house. But by laying those pee pads down, it's almost saying, okay, I accept it. You can do it. it, yeah. I accept that you're going to pee in the house. And you don't want to get to that point unless you're actually in a dog. If you have a small dog that you're training to pee in the house, we've talked about this in other podcasts, you have to make sure that is exactly where they pee. They don't pee anywhere else except in a almost like a litter box type setup, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. 
Um, okay, so I, I want to just talk about this anxiety stuff, and then after break, I want to talk about the housebreaking, and I even wanted to go into submissive pain because that's a big part of behavioral pain too. But as far as the anxiety stuff goes, you guys, people sometimes feel like, oh my gosh, this is a lost cause. One thing I would consider is limiting food and water slightly. So if you're going to work for a long day, maybe don't give breakfast. See if you have less of a response there. Take the dog for a walk. Make sure the dog, you know, alleviates his bowels. He doesn't have extra poop in him before you leave the house. Again, with the camera, the camera is a huge thing to help dogs. At least you know what's happening. Okay. It's in the first two hours. It's the second half of the day. You know, you can play around with different stuff. Some dogs honestly do better out of a crate. And I'm not saying give your dog access to, you know, your whole beautiful living room with white furniture and white carpet and hope for the best, but maybe give the dog the kitchen, maybe give the dog, you know, more space, not just the crate. Sometimes the crate itself incites more behavioral pottying. And if your dog is not going to hurt itself or ingest things or something else, giving them more freedom may help. Leaving more frequently. People normally do this thing with separation anxiety where they're like, oh, you know, it's going to be a big deal. I should stay home as much as possible. No, go out and water, go out and run errands, go out and do things and try not to have such a scheduled routine so the dog knows, okay, mom just got her briefcase. She just put on her fancy pumps. She just put on her nice work jacket. She's going to be gone for the day. Holy crap, I'm losing it. You know, start to get the dogs so they're just more accustomed to randomized routines rather than just following your structure so much. What else would you say about anxiety in the pottying? Well, sometimes just putting, you know, some training and putting control on yes, the dog is going to alleviate some fear, which may be kind of at the root of why they're pottying. And by creating these routines, but also control, giving them something to do, they kind of breathe a sigh of relief and just can relax a little bit yeah. and not be so triggered to pee, you yeah, know, that by is, all these that little is a tiny really good things point that, that you happen, bring up. you know? That so, emotional instability sometimes the and, dogs yeah, con- have. Contrary to what you were saying about giving them more freedom, sometimes... Putting more control and really getting them dialed in, uh, some dogs really thrive in that yeah, environment. Just, that is true. They have to have a lot of control put on them. You didn't. You don't want to do that. You didn't get a dog to do that. But your particular dog may be the type of temperament that thrives with a lot more structure yeah. than the average dog. Yeah, that is all. a really good point you brought up. Sometimes that emotional stability, just implementing structure and control really does help those things. So that is a good way to play it. And play it all ways, right? Like maybe you put a lot of control, it doesn't help. Maybe you give more freedom, it does help. Try to monitor, <clears> journal, <throat> um, like record keep, and definitely think of the camera. Our have, favorite is the Nest Cam. I have a good example of a dog where the control didn't help. Okay. This is one of our dogs, Shorty. <laughs> oh, yes. So we had this little, um, what kind of? Jag uh, Terrier. Jag Terrier is a German Terrier, little dog, and just a real hellion. And he had a lot of animal aggression, dog aggression. And so he would behaviorally pee in the crate. If we just took other dogs out to go pee, he'd see them, get all pissed, start growling, and then he'd pee in the crate. So then, okay, we can't have him in the crate when we're doing stuff. And he had a lot of obedience training. So we said, okay, get on the bed. We'll put him on the bed when we let another dog out. And he, he wouldn't get off the bed because his training was good, but he would just, in spite of us, would just pee right on the he bed was so mad. while we were letting a dog go. He's like, fuck you guys. It was like- One he, place he didn't pee, though, was sitting on your lap. He wouldn't- Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. He was very guess, happy if we would just coddle him when dogs went by. But he was a tough case. And you know these extreme cases sometimes aren't even worth bringing up because I haven't seen another dog like that in 20-something <laughs> years. He just was really difficult. But of course, dog. we owned him. That was a yeah. fun time. All right, let's go to break super quick. And when we get back, we'll hash this out a little more. Want to keep up with all the latest from the Quirky Dog Podcast like me and Murphy here? Then make sure you head on over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Or if you prefer to listen to the madness, go on over to iTunes or Spotify and follow the Quirky Dog Podcast. And hey, while you're there, leave a rating and review and let them know what you think of the show. Until then, 
keep it quirky. Okay, real quick before we leave this whole anxiety topic, I do want to touch on the fact, and Scott kind of brought this up with Shorty, sometimes dogs are pottying because they're mad too, right? And yes, we're, you know, guessing what their feelings are like and everything else, but there are certain dogs. It's not that they're scared. It's not that they're upset. They're literally like ticked off at you. So realize what those triggers are like too and head those off in the same space. But it's not always because they're in this like insecure instability. Sometimes they're literally like, screw you. I'm going to potty just in spite of how I'm feeling right now. Yeah. And people, it's hard because uh, a lot of times, even when you figure out how to avoid these problems with your dog, people backslide because we don't want to put the control. Yeah. You know, we want the dog to be a, free a, di- chicken. a, a different dog. Yeah. We want to own a different dog yeah. than the one we have. So we start saying, okay, let's just let him be like, I come in the house last night, Jess's dog is on my bed again, on our bed, right? The <laughs> well, dog's on the bed. Almost it, hasn't the even been, it hasn't even been a month, I don't think. And I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> it was, it was a I cookie. don't say anything because it's easier for me to change sheets with her than fight about where that dog is going to sleep. But it's like pretty quick. The dog's back in there. I'm like, shit. Okay, here we go. Let's see if the dog's all better now. We don't always practice what we No preach. belly band. Oh, None stop the- it. Everything's <laughs> fine. And Vital's almost out of her cycle. Okay, so let's get back to this situation about housebreaking versus behavioral pottying. Because sometimes I feel like if you get a rescue or something and they're an older dog, people just assume like, oh, well, the housebreaking is over. Like this has happened. Well, and that everyone is not is always- told their rescues are fully well, housebroken when everyone's you get them. Everyone's told a lot about their rescues. But literally, that isn't always the case. So be cognizant of that, that like when you first get a dog at home, you don't know what their previous life was like. You don't know where they were going to the bathroom before. You don't know what kind of daycare setup they had before. Some daycares just let the dogs, you know, go to the bathroom and relieve themselves in the same building that they're playing in. So be conscious of like treating your rescue like a little puppy. And you want to make sure you're taking the dog out to go to the bathroom, using a crate, all this other stuff. If you're to the point where you know, okay, the dog is housebroken, so to say, then as long as you've ruled out the medical stuff with, you know, your analysis and everything else, then maybe we're going more into the behavioral side of things. But just because you have an older dog doesn't mean, oh, this dog knows better. This dog is housebroken. Dogs sometimes learn housebreaking very late in life. We've had many six, eight-year-old dogs come in that it's just his job to teach them how to become housebroken. And they do, they are able to learn, but just because they're adult dogs doesn't mean they're actually housebroken. No, and when you take uh, adult dogs outside or if you let them go outside and you don't see that they pee and you're having some of these type of issues, you need to watch the dog, make sure that they have fully emptied themselves outdoors before yeah. they come back in. Yeah, 100%. Because All right, let's talk submissive peeing. I want to talk about submissive peeing. Yeah. So this is something I would say, again, like Scott was pointing to, training typically helps a great deal. Um, and... Uh, there's other ways for workarounds of submissive peeing, and I want to get into those and talk about those because submissive peeing is, you know, I guess it's also a behavioral pottying, right? It's not a medical issue. There's nothing wrong with the dog. You've cleared that the dog doesn't have incontinence, cleared that the dog doesn't have a problem with its urinalysis sample. So then you're going back to how the heck am I going to fix this? And when puppies are young, it's easy. We play this off like, oh, he's just submissively peeing. It's not a big deal. But as the puppy grows up, the urine becomes more heavily retained in the body. It's becoming a bigger and bigger issue. You kind of want to extinguish this and get rid of this. So what are some things that we have done in the past with training dogs that have this issue? That have behavior? Submissive being. Um, you know, I can't think of the last one we had. I, I was thinking the opposite, not to get sidetracked off of that specific question. But I was thinking about dogs going to the vet. A lot of dogs have fear of going to the vet, but mm-hmm. I don't see a lot of submissive peeing at the vet. 
Yeah. You know, so. Well, that's the thing. It's and, excitable right. normally. And then so the other I would thing say. Is we get dogs in for board and train that are totally out of their element. They've t- been taken out of their home. They're in a strange environment. And some of these dogs don't pee for two days. <laughs> it's like they won't pee because they're afraid. And yeah. they just, or they're looking, they only pee in their backyard. They don't pee anywhere else. Well, that is kind of where I was headed is it's normally at this level of excitement, right? This level of like people hovering, people, oh my God, it's a puppy or oh my God, hi. A lot of times if you just kind of ignore the dog or you ask people to ignore the dog when people are coming over, it helps a ton with the submissive ping. And it matters that you kind of head it off and stop it even when they're puppies. You don't want this to continue to happen and happen and happen because it does become habitual. But if the, you know, thing is, oh, someone knocks at the door, they walk in. Oh, my gosh, it's a dog. Pee. Let's stop that cycle, right? And if the dog is food motivated, you can just have people drop food on the ground, ignore the dog. But frequently just being like very benign with the environment, not hovering over the dog, not getting overly excited with the dog, everything else, it helps the issue more than anything I think that we've ever done. Yeah, that's true. That when people, when someone gets home and the dog is excited, the owners are excited to see the dog. And that is typically a time when there's going to be that submissive peeing with a younger dog. And the crazy thing is I tell people, you know, to use a crate, or I say the dog. You have this young dog at home, out of the crate, and then you walk in the house, and the dog jumps on you, and they say, oh, yeah. but all alone, and they'll say, no, no, my my wife was there. Okay, well, text your wife or your spouse, whoever it may be, your kid, your teenager. Say, hey, I'm going to be home in five minutes. Take the dog, put him on a leash, take him out in the backyard, or do something else with them, so you don't keep repeating. Yeah, this that thing problem. in the house. Yeah, and but a even lot of people that- are so busy trying to figure out why it's happening. Yeah. Rather than stop it. Just yeah. stop it immediately. And I guess even calling it submissive peeing might be kind of like That's a buzz more phrase. excitement Yeah, peeing. excitement pee. It's the yeah. same thing. And this can happen. I, well, I think it's behavioral. It is. It's but behavioral. it is. But I don't want people to think like, oh, well, my dog's not submissive. They're just excited to see me. It doesn't matter. And people are like, oh, we'll bring the dog outside. We'll let it happen outside. It's still happening. It's still part of the dog's routine and part of the way that you're interacting with the dog. So ignoring the dog. Um, giving it a few minutes when you first get home, being less like throwing yourself on the ground. Oh my God, I missed you. You could throw food, you could throw treats on the ground. If the dog likes cookies, it would help a lot. But stopping that in its tracks matters, you guys, because the submissive peeing thing we have seen creep into adulthood and it's not an easy thing to fix. And people just think, oh, well, this is how the dog is. And we'll just get towels out when someone comes over. And it's not pleasant. And Scott's right. When the dog is going to the vet or going somewhere without their element, you don't see the dog necessarily just peeing everywhere because they're not in this same like, oh my gosh, someone came over. This is so fun. They're in a different headspace. So when you know that the headspace is affecting the behavior, then we're going to say, okay, well, how can we back up and change you know, the antecedents before that behavior happens? So we prevent the freaking behavioral potting. Behavioral potting is a big issue that we see a lot. Yeah. And sometimes it's very human specific. So the dog doesn't have this excitement peeing with anybody else except one for person. one yeah. person comes in, the dog starts peeing, whether they're for whatever reason, whether it's excitement or whether it's fear, but that person is giving an energy off to that dog that's causing the dog to lose control of its bladder mm-hmm. and just pee right there. And if that's the case, at least you can, okay, we can see it's just this person because you've had other, other people come in, it doesn't happen. Yeah. And when that so is... now we can just remove that person well, from the house. ideally. They can't live there anymore. <laughs> no, but uh, sometimes I'm, I wanted to make this point that it is hard for people to like get this through their head. And if, especially if it is one person, like, I don't care, I just want this. So give that person a task, right? Like when you get home and you want to see Daisy, rather than say hi to Daisy, hand the person a leash and be like, take Daisy for a walk, go do something. Like create action where there is just this moment 
moment of like instability <clears throat> and this thing that's happening day after day after day. Because I'm telling you, once you have an adult dog and it's happening, especially if it's a freaking Bernese mountain dog, we're talking about a lot of pee, you guys. And it's not pleasant. It's not an easy go. So head it off in its tracks. Okay. We've done anxiety. We've done marking. We've done submissive peeing, whatever. What other behavioral potting do we have? Um, I can't think. Tell me what you think. Let's talk about seasonal. This is a good one. Um, all of a sudden it snows. Little oh. dogs don't want to shit outside, right? Yeah. Like this is pretty common and we're no one's thinking about it right now. I'm in a tank top for the first time all season. It's getting beautiful here in New England. That is behavioral pottying, you guys, when the little dogs are like, no thanks, I'm not going to deal with it, and they're pooping now in the house. It's, that's not always size related either. That's true. It's true. Yeah. Some of the big dogs are like, I can't do it. No, oh my God, it's terrible. And they're so... What do you do in those situations? If you are having that problem and you have that problem seasonally, and sometimes it's only for like those three zero degree days, or it right? Could be rain. Have, yeah, they same don't difference. Go out in the rain, yeah, same yeah. thing. Start implementing things that maybe you did when the dog was younger. Bring I know a what crate I do back in. in that situation. <laughs> what do you do? I make Jess go out and stand oh, yeah, in the yard yeah, with the dog Scott's and always, the dog pees. I was going to say, what, <laughs> when is the last time you've even potted a dog? Yeah, literally. No, and I, and but you want to talk about... it's true. You go out there and it's uh, yeah, a pain in the ass. I am like the potty queen. I have a big issue with pottying. But legitimately, like, yeah, all of my dogs, like, know if it's pouring rain, if it's, you know, snowing really bad, the quicker you shit, the quicker you get back in the house. So, like, that is just the rule. Like, do it and then you can come back. Well, Most keep, of our dogs like the cold. To, but also to, to interrupt there, yeah, they do know that. And sometimes they do just a little pretend pee because <laughs> they want to come back in. So you need to watch and make yeah. sure they actually go because Jess's dogs will squat on command and pretend they're <laughs> peeing, but they're not really peeing. But they know they can't play with the ball or they can't do this until they've peed. Yeah. It's like, okay, and they'll do this little behavior. It's like, no. Get, Get out and actually Yeah, pee. you have to make you sure they go. You have to be able to watch your dog and know what's happening. But if you do have these like you know, in environmental seasonal situations with your dog, you have to create more control within the house. You cannot allow it to happen because it's going to just become a pattern. Once again, I don't want to go in the snow. I'll come in, I'll go on the carpet. I don't want to go here. And dogs at some point have to poop. This is just human nature. I'm sorry. This or just dog nature. This is what has to happen. So I would go back to implementing a crate in the house or some extra supervision. And like Scott said, actually put a leash in your dog and freaking take them out and make them deal with it. You are out there with them and you are saying like, Hey, we're going to face this together, but you have to go to the bathroom. It is very important that the dogs learn early, that there is no other option. And that is, that is behavioral pottying in my mind when the dog says, no, thanks. I can't do it outside. And then they come in the house and they have no issue doing it. Yeah. And with Jimmy, we had Jimmy pee in the, in the bedroom about, seems like four, four to six months ago now. Yeah. And it was tied in directly to, he sleeps on the bed. He's loose. We get up in the morning, we start letting dogs out. His prey drive, that herding drive kicks in where he starts running in circles on the bed and he knows other dogs uh, stuff. So he gets over, overstimulated and he hasn't been out to pee yet. And then what he did was he, he marked on the bed. He marked on the bed. And I'm he, sure... was, he wasn't on the bed. He was on the floor, but he lifted his leg on the yeah, side of the bed. I was, and I was mortified. I honestly, I took him in yeah, for urine. I took him in for blood work. I'm like freaking out. I'm like, Jimmy would never pee in the house. Yeah. Oh my God. But, so he's in a crate now yeah, before other dogs before get let Before Cousteau out. comes out and everything else. Yeah. And these are the types of things, you guys, that once you rule out the medical stuff, especially if it's an abnormal thing with the dog, once you rule out the medical stuff, you have to go into behavior and think, okay, why is this happening? What is triggering this? And I think it happened two times. We went to let Cousteau out. He peed in the room. He's done. Like, right? Like, there, that, there's no access during morning if he has not been out already. If you've listened to this podcast for more than a few times, you'll know at this point, all our dogs pee and poop in the house all the time. And we're not. just running around chasing this behavior like, holy shit, this guy just pooped in the living room. Jimmy just peed on the bed. 
Oh no, it's Jess's dog. Just peed on my pillow. <laughs> it's been a hard few months, but I'm telling you, vital being in heat does change things a bit and the whole tempo of the house changes. But literally, you guys, whether you're experiencing stuff like this, yourselves owning dogs, or you have clients experiencing these things, the sooner you get on top of it, the sooner you realize what's triggering it, the sooner you rule out any medical stuff, and the sooner you intervene with a behavioral plan, the better. I promise you, I cannot think of one behavioral potty case that has not been cinched up with training oh, from us. Yeah. Like yeah. there, there's a lot of ways to approach this and deal with it in different ways, whether it's, you're leaving a Kong, you know, so the dog's busy when you go, you're having someone come in to let the dog out midday after that mark. There's many different ways to head these things off. Even like I said, the belly band with the marking, if you're not going to get your dog neutered and totally fine, if you want to keep the dog intact and neutered dogs, Mark, it's not like that's just going to fix everything, but the belly band has helped. Like I cannot think of one. There was that really, really tricky boxer in, oh my God, in yeah. Amesbury. That dog was the hardest dog I've ever done with pottying. And we even fixed him. So literally if you put your mind into it, you put your brain power into it and you really come up with a plan, there are ways to get help, but make sure your trainer has different areas to explore, right? Like, no, if you've ran urine once, like stop running urine, stop running blood. Like let's go no, to it's, what it's behavior is creating condition. this. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's not a thyroid condition. <laughs> That's going to be the hashtag of the quirky dog. Okay. You guys, thank you so much for joining us. We will try to have our dogs not potty in the house this week. If you missed last week's episode with Alexandra Butler, the copy method was an awesome episode. We really enjoyed that. And in the meantime, keep, keep it, it quirky. quirky. Thanks guys. <laughs> The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.